is the 16th century. From all over Europe, great ships sail west to conquer the new world, the Americas. The men eager to seek their fortune, to find new adventures in new lands. They long to cross uncharted seas and discover unknown countries, to find secret gold on a mountain trail high in the Andes. They dream of following the path of the setting sun that leads to El Dorado and the mysterious cities of gold. Hello and welcome to SMPD, the podcast where we look back at the cartoons that shaped our childhood. This episode we're looking at the mysterious cities of gold. Right, I'm going to be really fucking honest about this one. Um, I have some very specific recollections of this show, how it looks, how it sounds, what the story is. I'm completely fucking wrong. <laughs> I, I mean, mean that, that's part of the point of this show. Things may not be as we remember them. I mean, I've got some... There's a very specific image I have of the Golden Condor, which is the, the, the plane they fly around. It's a, it's a condor-shaped plane made of gold. Um, I've got a very specific image in my head and there's nothing like the images I've, I've pulled up online. So this is going to be a bit more of an interesting one because it's a show I remember fondly and there are bits of it having done some reading and some research that are jumping out at me I do remember and there are other bits I've gone, what the fuck is that? Now this will be interesting because for me personally this episode um, I was never a big fan of this show. I'm aware of it culturally and God knows some of my friends fucking love this thing and still love this thing and talk about it really, really fondly. I didn't click with it as a kid, so mm. I don't have really fond memories of it. Having said that, I've not rewatched loads of it for this and we'll come on to our summation in the end. But just as you thought, this is not the show that I remember at all. Mm. At all. I... I thought this was far better than I. I've clicked with it more as an adult than I ever did as a kid. Mm. It is not at all what I remember it being. Yeah, I mean, I, I remember it. Um, I said, I'm couple, my, my brother's, I think, a year or so older than you, so a couple years older than me. Um, and I remember he. I remember talking about this with him a couple of, couple of years ago. Um, and I remember him watching it, and we were talking about the show, and again talking about some of the, the some of the themes and some of the characters and things. And yeah, things were jumping. I remember that. But when we said we were going to do this episode, we were going to look at this show in particular. I rewatched a couple of episodes and I was just sat there with my jaw because I, for a start, I didn't even remember it was not that I knew what anime was at the time because I'd have been very small, but I don't even remember it looking the way it looks. I remember it being a very conventional Western style drawing yeah. uh, cartoon, which it is not in any way, shape, or form. No, no, no. It's very stylized. And I think, I mean, ironically, because I'm, as we've addressed on this podcast several times, I'm, I'm a I'm a big animation nerd. Um, I just was turned off this by the way it looked as a kid. And I know it was the way it looked because it looked cheap. It looks cheap. Yeah, I mean, the, the whole anime style, I mean, especially where you have so the... And they, they, they've carried it on right through. But, so the, the big dark eyes and some mm. of the flappy mouths. Yeah. And it's almost a bit like South Park have done a parody of a, of a, of a cartoon. And that's yeah. what it would look like. Um, not sort of flappy heads like Terence Phillips flappy heads but um, just the way the mouth yeah, and it's because it's of the way it's been redoubled and all the rest of it but it just it, you're right it, it does look cheap compared to some of the other things we talked about and the, the production values and stuff um, so yeah it, it's it's quite an interesting one but it, as, as a show it's, it's, um, it's been fairly well received um, I'm going to try and pronounce the original name of it so forgive me if any of you speak Japanese because I fucking don't um, it was originally released in Japan as Teo no Esteban 
So um, I think it was the, the adventures of Esteban rather than series of the plot. Glorious Japanese brother. Possibly. Um, but yeah, so I mean, it's um, yeah, it was a, a Japanese and French co-production um, between Studio Period and our old, old friends of Dick. Um, Dick! Set in 1532, the series follows the adventures of a young Spanish boy named Esteban who joins a voyage to the New World in search of the lost seven cities of gold and his father. The series was originally broadcast in Japan and the French version, which was edited to have different characterization and music, was subsequently redubbed and distributed in many different countries throughout the world. It's currently licensed for English language home video release in the United Kingdom, Australia and North America by Fabulous Films. Now the thing that jumps out there, apart from Fabulous Films, which has just made Chris laugh, um, the thing that jumps out there is that when it was translated from the original Japanese into the French version, the French co-produced this, so they should have. I was going to say, I, I thought it was French. Yeah, it's 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 a Japanese French co-production, but the French version was the one that was then adapted for the rest of the world. Right. But the French for the French version, it was redubbed, rescored, and recharacterized. So all the characters were changed to make them more European. Why? Yeah. Um, so I don't know why that was, and then the score was changed to make it more in keeping with Western shows, which we'll come on to shortly. I mean, the score is fucking phenomenal. So yeah. that was. That was, that was a, a great move. Um, but yeah, so I mean that was um, that was a big thing. But the whole thing of changing the, changing the characterizations seems That's to be a weird. bit of a stretch because if if you need to change the characters of your own show to show it in your country, then you've done something fucking wrong in the first place. Yeah, yeah, that's weird. Um, so yeah, that's a bit a bit strange. Um, but it ran um, ran for longer than I realised. It ran for three seasons. Um, I think it was thirty nine episodes in total. Yeah, thirty nine episodes from. The original run was June 1982 to March 1983. Um, that's a three seasons, 39 episodes, which is kind of standard for the yeah. time, the way they, they sort of set that up. Um, the, the way it was rescored, it was done by um, Hames Abbott and Shuki Levy. Mm -hmm. And they, so they had the original score uh, for the Japanese version, and then somebody pointed them at Ulysses. Ulysses. And anyway, that's kind of more what we want. Now. That's the show we want. Now, we're not talking about Ulysses, so I'll be brief. That's another show entirely. Yeah. But me saying that it looked cheap and things like that, and I, and I didn't like it for that. Ulysses is one of my all-time fucking favourites. And there is definitely... Stylistically, they're different. Yeah. But there are definitely similarities in... Now, this explains it in things like the score, the story... Yeah. The actual animation style as well. Um, you know, the character, the character design is different is what I'm trying to say. Everything else is yeah. very similar. So what exactly it was that led me to love Ulysses and not like this, I'm not sure. Maybe I'll stumble upon it Maybe. through talking about it on this podcast. As I say, subsequently, I'm fully on board with this show. And we'll yeah. when we get to summing up, I'll, I'll give you my thoughts. But yeah, definitely as a kid, I was just like, fuck that. Yeah, like well, I, I didn't say fuck that because I'd have been about three. But you know what? <laughs> yeah, I think that's something that we've we've talked about this on on previous episodes where so the time it was about and the time or the age we would have been at the time may sort of have an impact on how we well, remember. It's, it it's interesting. You say in eighty two, eighty three, I would have had to have catch caught this as a child in reruns. Yeah, I, I would have seen this in reruns because yeah, because there's no way. I was, like, I, was, I was barely sperm when this started. Yeah, I mean, I would have been one slash two. Yeah. So, yeah, no fucking way did I watch this when it first Yeah, so I mean, I, I'd have seen this in reruns as well. Um, and it did rerun quite a lot. In, in the UK, it ran originally, I think it was 86 to 87, and then 88 to 89. Um, so they did Yeah, that it. would have been about when I would have caught yeah, it. Yeah, so I mean, yeah. the, I mean the, the dates, the original air dates would have been the Japanese air dates. Mm -hmm. So here it was 86, 87, and then 88, 89. And then it ran again 
that was on show the BBC, and then on the Children's Channel, which was an early Saturday Children's Channel. Um, I think it was there from 94, 95. So it was an That's where I would have watched it. It would the Children's Channel definitely. It fit. It definitely feels like something that would have been on the Children's Channel along with Ulysses and Jason the Wheeled Warriors. Yeah. And to be fair to it now, when you say that, I would have been watching it. In fact, it would definitely have been in a block with Ulysses, mm. Jason the Wheeled Warrior. This thing didn't have a fucking chance. No. Like, against those two. Fucking... How would you follow those? And the thing is, well, you'll you, you have heard at the start of the show, the, the theme tune to this is very... Again, from it's not what I remembered, but it's oh, the theme tune's so good though. But it's not Ulysses. Oh god, no, nothing's Ulysses. And I think that's the problem. And looking back at it now, you look and you go, eh. Or Jace, for that matter. Those yeah. two theme tunes are exceptionally So good. I mean, on its own, this is a very good theme tune. It's excellent. The whole build-up is I don't know how much of it. I mean, obviously we always put a theme at the front of the episode. The theme tune for this is so long. I don't know how much of it I'm actually going to be able to get away with putting at the front of this yeah. episode. Well, well, I'll read the opening narration so you can just put the tune on. I'm going to put the opening narration on, guaranteed. But if you want to read it, you can go for so it. Th this is how every episode starts. It's the 16th century. From all over Europe, great ships sail west to conquer the New World, the Americas. Sound interested, Mark. Come on. I, I, can't, I can't read and sound interested. Um, <laughs> the men, eager to seek their fortune, to find new adventures in new lands... They long to cross the uncharted seas and discover unknown countries and find secret gold in a on a mountain trail. Uh, they dream of following the path and setting uh, uh, following the path of the setting sun that leads to El Dorado and the mysterious cities of gold. So they kind of set up straight away. It's it's about conquistadors. It's about mm. it's about some, the, the the Western European setting sail for uh, for the New World and the Americas, going off and basically plundering the fuck out of it. Yeah, and it's it's really weird because after that, red in read in a much more dramatic delivery than that <laughs> um, that is building up to what you would assume would then just be this grand sweeping score of a theme tune and it's a really jolly little ditty yes <laughs> it's, it's really it sounds weird. like it should be sung by a choir of school children yes it does uh, it's very bizarre but it works yeah it work. well you judge for yourself when, when you listen well, when you've already listened by the time you get to this point where I'm like yeah, yeah. But, um, but yeah I mean as I said like, against shows like Ulysses and Jace which had very iconic very grand I said very grand yeah. um, theme tunes this is kind of shit by comparison yeah that Ulysses theme is yeah I mean just, you don't get that in my that. head now <laughs> um, yeah maybe we'll do that episode next I'm, I'm dying to get to you <laughs> seriously I am dying to get to Ulysses I cannot wait to rewatch that show but anyway we're yeah, not anyway, talking so, about Ulysses yeah so but yeah that's, so that's why they looked they were, uh, very similar themes a very similar feel to them because they, uh -huh. were, they, they were very heavily influenced um, they come from the same place were they all um, what's his name uh, Jean Chopin wasn't it uh, yes I'm not sure if he was involved in Ulysses I know he's involved in this and a lot of the other stuff we've talked about that whole kind of dick Stable. Yes, I think I think he was. Um, we'll we'll have to look that up. I'm sure he was. Um, but as around the story was written by Jean Chalapin and Bernard Dirais. Um, was loosely based on the novel The King's Fifth by Scott Adele. Um, so his chief director was Hisayuki Toromiyo. So apologies for pronunciation. Uh, producers were Max Sal uh, Salniga and Atsumi Yajima. Um, the music. Max what? Yajima. No, Max what? Uh, Salniga. Oh, Salniga. Okay. That is not what you said. Probably not. <laughs> Um, the musical score was composed by Hemsagen and Shukalev in the Western version. 
Um, Shingo Araki was involved in the series as an animator and some episodes were directed by Tuyo Ashida and Mizuo Nikashiba. So again, the, it may be a French co-production with the Japanese, it looks like the Japanese did all the work and the French paid for it. Uh, well, which is fine. Yeah. Um, you know, if you can get somebody else to pay for your work, happy days. Yeah. Um, but and yet, weirdly, it's it's very Spanish. It is. Um, <laughs> it's really it's always It's always going to be. It's always going to look and feel Spanish because the characters are Spanish, and the, yeah. the vast majority of the conquistadors and sort of the, the discoveries of the, the sort of the New World, so the South America, that was all done by the Spanish. Mm-hmm. Um, so you're always going to get that. Um, Talking about the uh, the score, um, originally uh, Kashibi's score was to be used for the Western version as well. Sorry, that's um, Nobuyoshi Kashibi who did the Japanese um, score. Um, it was originally supposed to be used for both, um, but Bernard Dredge recorded his reaction to the proposed music he heard for Ulysses 31 and he felt the score was rather understated and he was expecting a more adventurous feel like Indiana Jones. At that point, they brought, it, brought in um, Savin and um, mm-hmm. Levy to be fed up a little bit, um, and they'd already done Sidetracks for Ulysses 31. So, um, yeah, so I mean, there was a, a very heavy Japanese influence, and so they, they basically made the show and got somebody else to pay for it, which is absolutely fantastic. Yeah. Um, but why they could, I mean, it seems a strange one because if you're going to do that, there's such a great tradition for storytelling in Japan, and they, you know, they have their, their, their whole historical culture with the, you know, the various groups of them, ninjas and shinobi and um, uh, Bushidos and everybody else. There are so many different stories they could tell. Why they felt the need to tell a well, they felt they need to base this in Europe. Yeah. Okay, there's the argument that they, they want to do things in the new world, but I mean, they're, they're, they could have very easily told the story they wanted to tell without branching off that way. I think, I think you probably hit on a certain amount of it earlier on as well when you said Indiana Jones. Mm. Yeah, possibly. Um, it, it's very clearly got that kind of serialised adventure yeah. feel to it. It's a, it's a treasure hunt. Yeah, it is. Um, as I said, it's it's kind of set up, the, the blurb is quite is kind of misleading because um, there's so much more character work goes into the uh, into the character of Esteban. It says that he's in search of the sense of his role and his father, and the and his father part to throw away comment at the end of the sentence. It's kind of his whole reason for being there. He doesn't give a fuck about the gold. No, he's after his he, dad. He's looking for his dad, and yeah. the, there's a whole thing um, whereby he's um, picked up by Mendoza. Um, he's on the ship that sinks, and Mendoza picks him up um, and takes him in. And there's this whole thing that he's an orphan and he doesn't find, and he has this medallion that his father's given, which they don't realise what it is, they just think it's a gold medallion and they try to steal bits of it. And there's this whole backstory that comes out about his father being um, effectively one of the guardians of these cities. Um, and then as you get more and more into it, it, it becomes a bit more interesting, there's a more fantasy element to it, but there's also a very heavy science fiction element to it. Mm. And it's set in the 1530s, so right smack in the middle of so the, um, the Spanish explorations of South America. But there's a fucking fusion reactor and a solar-powered aeroplane. And you think, well, hang on a minute, how does that work? I mean, again, Indiana Jones. <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, it's, it is quite interesting. And the way it's put together, and they, they as with all, all these event shows, they put together sort of a, effectively a ragtag band of, uh, of misfits who don't really yeah. belong anywhere, and they kind of become their own, their own little team, their own little unit. Um, Mendoza kind of fashions himself as the leader because he's the leader of the, um, of the expedition. And you get glimpses where he's sort of threatening to throw people overboard. You know, you've got um, Esteban and Zia, who's the little girl um, who they've got on board as well. He threatens to leave them places. He threatens to throw them overboard. But in reality, he, you know, they're the family. They're, you know, they're, they're a family yeah. unit, and he, he wouldn't dream of doing that. It's just a way of keeping them in line. Mm. And it's quite interesting to see that evolve over the sort of 
Southby is only 39 episodes actually from, from looking at it. all it is? Yeah, it's only 39 episodes, which when you go through all you think, it should be more than that. They, they could have mm. done a lot more with it. But the story is quite well contained in that. They, they didn't go overboard and think, right, okay, well, we can string this up for another 20 yeah. episodes. That would have probably dragged a little bit, I think, yeah. for what they did. I think the pacing was just about right. Excuse me. So, um, yeah, it's quite interesting. You look at this, the, the dynamics, and normally when you have shows like this, you've got a very definite hero side and a de very definite villain side. You don't mm -hmm. kind of get that in this show. You've got a core, a core of characters and other characters who pop up. But yeah. they're not, no, you don't get the recurring villain. There's no bad guy as such, is there? Not really. Um, it's, it's more about the quest and getting there. And the fun. Mm -hmm. I mean, if, if you were to set this, if you were to do this now, you'd say, right, okay, we'll only make it a film because it'll be easier. It'll be shorter, it'll be, you know, it'll be one story stuff. And we'll have somebody trying to stop them getting there or somebody trying to get there yeah. first and trying to sabotage them. Yeah, you'd have an antagonist, yeah. You don't get that with this they might come across pirates or they might come across other conquistadors who are going to a similar place and they don't share information or they try to mislead each other and misdirect each other but there's nobody flat out trying to stop them trying to kill yeah. them stop them getting there so it's it's a bizarre one and the way it's set up it's not what you'd expect from an adventure show in so it's more kind of a treasure island goonie sort of adventure where they are their own hazards and or the, the yeah. quest is the hazard rather yeah, yeah, yeah. than the, the people they're going to encounter so it, yeah, it's, it's kind of man versus environment as opposed to man, man versus man. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So it's um, it, it's an interesting one, and if you wouldn't have expected it, they talk about Indiana Jones as a as a sort of uh, an inspiration for it. Um, but you look at Indiana Jones, it wasn't enough to just be after the Ark of the Covenant. No, you need you Nazis. Nazis. Yeah, it's no, it's not enough to be after the Holy Grail. You need Nazis. Yeah. It, oh no, you need the um, the Russians in the Fourth Abomination. Um, it's not that bad. Um, it's not good, but it's not that bad. Yeah, we can have that discussion another time as well. Um, but you know, it's you, you needed something. You needed to hang it on something because there needed to be a tangible threat there. Yeah. And the tangible threat in this was that they wouldn't find the city to go. They wouldn't find Eldorado. They wouldn't find Esteban's father. Yeah. So that was um, that was kind of the stakes, and you didn't need to be. Actually, yeah, we're also trying to outrace Nazis or you no. Know, the French or whoever it would have been at the time challenging the Spaniards. Yeah. So, I mean, it's, it works. I, I, don't, I don't think it, you lose anything from that. I mean, I think if anything, you'd have too much going on if you tried to introduce something like that. I think you probably would. Um, I think one of the things uh, in re-watching it that I really like about this show is just how tightly plotted it is. Yeah. And as you say, the pacing is spot on. The first couple of episodes, they go nowhere. Yeah. They're just setting the story up. Yeah. They take their time to do it. Yeah, but it doesn't feel like you're wasting a couple of episodes. No, again. nothing is wasted. They, no. they, every, very much like a well-plotted film, everything that happens on screen is happening for a reason. Yeah. You can see that. Yeah, there's no factor in it. No. With, with animations, you tend to get that because you don't want to animate something if you don't need it. Yeah. But at the same time, sometimes they do. They go, well, yeah, okay, we just need to flesh this out a bit to get more episodes or whatever it might be. Um, but yeah, everything here, it's so tight, there's no fat on it whatsoever. No. But you don't feel like things are being dragged out. As in that first, was it two episodes before they, before they actually set off? I think they, they get on the ship in the second yeah. episode, I want to say. Doesn't he? Esteban kind of stows away, doesn't he? Yeah. At the so. end of the first episode. It's, it's, a, it's at least episode three for the reason that would see, I think. Yeah. But I mean, it doesn't feel like you've wasted two episodes to get to that point. It doesn't feel like you've got, you're not going, oh, fuck, I wish we just started there. Yeah. 
No, you, you, you've got there by coming, no, you've, you've come through the characters and you've got through a very logical point well, uh, yeah. when, when you set off. I, and the temptation in a lesser show would have been for episode one to have given you a, a really quick introduction to our core characters. Yeah. So to like Esteban and Mendoza and that. And then you'd be gone. You'd be at sea. Yeah. But they don't do that. They take time to show the, the priest or whatever it is. The surrogate father essentially for Esteban. They take time to show him dying and, yeah. and, and setting up this, this story and setting up Esteban's journey and what yeah. he needs. And they take the time to do that. They take the time to explain that the... You know, the village thinks he has some magical sun power, and yes, it's not something that comes out of nowhere. They take the time to establish this for later on, yeah. Uh, there's not many cartoons would do that, no. And I think, I mean, there's not many would have done it back then, there's certainly not many that would do it now. They certainly wouldn't do it now. The YouTube generation wouldn't know what the fuck to do with that. No, that's so. I mean, an episode lasting more than about five minutes, they'd be struggling yeah, yeah. with, but so I mean, yeah, they, you're right, but so they do that very well. Um. And I think you get, by the time you actually get out to sea, you actually cast away, and you're actually on the mission, you actually know what it's about. Yeah, and you know the characters and you care about the characters. Yeah, I mean, this, the whole thing of um, Zia, that would be very easy to throw away, the fa um, and I'll do it very quickly now. But she's an Inca girl who's kidnapped from Peru by Gomez Gaspard, Perez and Mendoza, um, taken to Spain and given to the, I want to say given to the Queen as a playmate for her daughter. And then they kidnap her, or they take her back to Peru because she can read this language that something is written, this, this document is written in, and she's the only one who can read it, so they, they take her back with her. Would be very easy, oh yeah, well here's this girl, we'll take her with her, we'll just introduce the fact she can read this thing as and when it comes up. Yeah. It would be very easy and very tempting to do that because then you don't have to waste, have to use the time yeah. on screen to get to that point. You know, oh yeah, you're from South America, you can read this. Oh, where's she, oh, where's she from South America? Yeah. Oh yeah, because we kidnapped her years ago. Oh, that would yeah. be, it would be very easy and you would you'd expect to see that it's just very convenient very contrived but they they didn't do that they, they didn't shy away from what actually no fuck it she's important to the story let's have it let's do it and mm. um, no, the same with the introduced the medallions they were there for a reason so the, no, the, the, the reason that it was found um, to be worth I think did Mendoza do something with um, Esteban's medallion broke yeah. a piece off um, but it was found to be for a reason the fact that they they locked on the fact that they, they were actually part of a set it was important, so you could have quite easily found that out five episodes in. Yeah. But to put things up front, yeah, you, yeah. Get, you get to tell your story. Yeah, they, they front load all of the information you need, so you get... It's it, it's not a three-act structure, essentially, because it's a show, but in, in, in filmic terms, that's what it would be. All of the information is given to you up front, yeah. and that might feel like a bit of a slog. Yeah. Um, certainly, let's like say those first two episodes, they don't go anywhere really. Mm. They just set everything up. But then, once the train starts moving, yeah. that is it. You've got all the information you need, and everything just clicks into place. Yeah, that's right. Um, and you know, on that, uh, just on that note again, we, we've talked about how this isn't the show perhaps that both of us remember. I think the one thing that we do both remember as soon as somebody says Cities of Gold is the Condor. Yeah. And you don't even get to the Condor till about fucking. You must be about 15 episodes yeah. in before you even see the fucking thing. Yeah. Like, it's incredible, but it seems like that is the main thing that you remember about this show. Yeah, and I think because, I mean, because it's the thing that stands out because it's so out of place. Yeah. And I think as a child, you wouldn't really remember having a fusion reactor or you, know, you wouldn't remember that, you know, this is the plane was solar, solar powered. You'd remember there's a big fucking aeroplane yeah. that's shaped like a bird. Yeah, yeah. And it's made of gold. Yeah. Yeah. But beyond that, you wouldn't. Yeah, it wouldn't mean anything to you. So it's um, it is quite interesting the way they do that. But I said the fact that 
it's the thing you remember. You, you only see it, you know, half. It's the time. not in this show that much at all, is it? I mean, there, there are. If you look at there are certain films we can look at where you associate them with certain people, like, for example, Terminator Three. You associate with no, it's a Terminator film, so Arnold Schwarzenegger. He's in it for something like twelve minutes mm. or then, and he, I, I was reading something yesterday that he. Because of the number of the amount of screen time he has, the number of words he says in that film, the amount, the amount he was paid, it's the equivalent of being twenty one thousand dollars per word. Wow! So you know, that shows how little he's in the damn film. Yeah. But it's Terminator, therefore it's automatically Schwarzenegger, and that's what people remember. Mm-hmm. And then they might remember, start to remember other things about that film, how yeah. shit it was, and all the rest of it. But they will. That's yeah, the first yeah. association, and the same with their show. People remember the bird. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Even though the bird is not the story. No, but you remember the Golden Condor. Yeah. So I mean. It's, yeah, I mean, it's, it's as, as, a sh- as a show, it's memorable for probably the wrong reasons in that respect. Definitely the wrong reasons. I think my memory doesn't do this show justice. I think that's possibly the case. I mean, I, I started re-watching this to do this show, and I, I remember thinking, what the fucking hell is this? This isn't a show. Are you sure this is the right one? Yeah. Really? I, I actually second-guessed myself. I started looking for another one. Yeah. And then realised this was actually it. And I thought, okay, well, that's bit disappointing because it's not what I remembered and so automatically it's tainted in my memory mm-hmm. but then re-watching it and I've only seen the first handful of episodes I went fuck I want to watch all this yeah now that's exactly how I feel but for me it's the opposite way around because I I don't particularly fondly remember it I remember thinking when we, this episode was coming up I knew it was an episode we had to do just because as I say I know amongst my circle of friends who are my age that you say cities of gold and everybody's instantly going, oh, I used to love cities of gold. So I knew this was something we had to do. Yeah. But with this episode coming up, I was a little bit like, oh God, here we go. I've got to fucking watch cities of gold. I'm totally enraptured with this show. Yeah. Um, I've not had as much time as I would like to, to rewatch as much as I would like to for this episode. But I am really excited to go back to the rest of it. Now, once this episode is done and dusted, I will finish this show. Yeah. Much in the way when we talked about Dog Tanya and I said the same thing. Yeah. And even though I remember that more fondly to begin with, yeah. um, this is has come as a total surprise to me. The, the sheer quality of this show, and it is very mature. There's, there's no other word for it. It's very, it's treated, the material is treated very maturely. It's not pitched at children at all, no. I would argue. Um, it, it's animated, yes, certainly, and it was on the children's channel and it was on the children's TV. But this is a well-written, maturely handled yeah. adventure show. I mean, I think to be fair to the show and unfair to the channel, possibly, or well, the channels that showed it, certainly in this country, anything animated at the time was automatically loved to kids. kids. Yeah, yeah. Because you didn't have animation for adults. It didn't yeah. happen. Whereas now, you know, you, you we're at that point thirty years later where. Simpsons, South Park, Family mm-hmm. Guy, Futurama, American Dad, Rick and Morty, anything else you can think of. There are an absolute myriad of adult cartoons. Mm-hmm. But at the time, it was absolutely unheard of. So somebody, so they'd made um, an animated show with an adventure element to it, a, a fantastical adventure element to it. It's got to be for kids, we'll chuck it on the children's channel. Yeah. And it doesn't really do it the credit, doesn't give, do it the justice as it deserves, doesn't give it the credits as it deserves. Same as Jace and Ulysses and a lot of other shows that we've looked at, or we will look at in the future, um, they don't get the respect that they really did earn. No. I mean, Ulysses, again, especially, like, yeah, okay, maybe it's slightly more pitched towards a family audience, perhaps, than, than you would say this is. Yeah. But I, I'd argue that Ulysses is as good as any science fiction show that was on at the time. Oh, yeah. 
you know, it's especially at the at the time Ulysses was made. Obviously, Star Wars was had been and gone, and was a big thing, and space was yeah was a big thing for for kids of of our age then, and and Ulysses tapped into that, and it was able to because it was an action show. And because it was guys in space, it's very easy, I suppose, to sell that. Whereas this, as we said, is more, I mean, it's based in the bloody Spanish discovery yeah. of the new world. Yeah, there's no laser swords. There's no guns. There's, there's nothing to grab a child's attention. I mean, you kind of get the impression that's what the combo was for. Maybe, yeah. Because you know, it's kind of like a spaceship. It flies. Yeah, maybe. Um, we don't have them, so you know, yeah. why not go for it? But I don't. I think that would probably be a fairly cynical and a fairly cheap way of, of thinking about it. I think that the show is better thought out than that. I think it's better realised than that. I think, as I said, I don't think it gets the credit it deserves. And to be fair, I don't think I've given it the credit it deserved either. I certainly haven't. Um, I, but having said all of that about it not being pitched to children, just to, to pick up on a thread slightly there, every episode, and I do remember this from my childhood as well, and again, it may be part of the reason why I didn't like it. Whereas most episodes of cartoons would end with a moral message at yeah. this time, to try and teach kids something, but it was done by the characters in the cartoon, and it was generally done in a jokey, humorous way, yeah. so it kind of washed over you. At the end of every episode of this motherfucker, there was at least two minutes of like actual learning. Yeah, it was like, like a, there was a docu know. there was a documentary with actual like reenacted footage and shit. Trying to teach you about Inca history. Hmm. Fuck that shit when I can be watching Jason the Wheeled Warriors. Hmm. Like, now, yeah, I find that really interesting. But 10-year-old me, no chance. I don't want to see some fucking old dude with saggy boobs carving spears when I can be watching Jason the Wheeled Warriors in... Yeah. Run around in cars, shooting things, and fighting the monster machines. Yeah, not going to happen. No, that's right, and I think that's possibly to its detriment. And I think looking at it now, we say, okay, well, it's interesting, but kind of ruins the show. It's not really. I mean, they'd have been better off doing a sort of you know, two card coder at the end. Just sort of you no. Know, this week we've looked at this, isn't it? So I'm giving you a bit of you know, fragment saying they're talking about pyramids or they're talking about some of the traps they used to use on the outsides of their cities and things. A, an informative piece about that, but not having some old professor lecturing you for ten or five minutes. I think, just, um, yeah. Just this is no. Uh, as a matter of fact, the Incans used to do this. So this was not uncommon before. Just give you a bit of information it's about it. Don't go weird. Yeah. It's it's weird in the same way that we had like a whole load of like edutainment video games yeah. in the early nineties. Things like Carmen San Diego and stuff. Yeah. Just fucking weird. Yeah. People like, don't care. School is for learning. I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> like, if I'm not in school, I don't want to be learning. No, exactly. I, I, I don't know why that was even... It's, I, it's noble to, to think that you can teach a kid something about Inca history at the end of this but, show. But, but even re then, like, realistically, what's happening is the kids are going, right, cartoon's done, click. But even, not even that. I mean, if you look at it, it's been told... It's been done by the producers of the show, who are Japanese and French, who are trying to translate a piece of Spanish history on their discovery of even further history. They weren't there, they don't fucking know. And all, the, the main thing with history is that it's, it's constantly rewritten. Mm. And I mean, as a British student of 
medieval history, Francis Drake was a pirate yeah. in Spain and Europe because that's how they viewed him. And in, in sort of South American cultures, um, likes of Columbus and de Gama, they were infidels and invaders. Yeah. But history has sold, sold them in a different way. So it's for, it's to look at to have somebody then saying from the, a Japanese perspective or a French perspective, actually we're now going to tell this version of history. It, you yeah. can't really no, guarantee it's, its accuracy anyway. It's it's weird. Um, I really enjoyed them rewatching it, just, <laughs> but it, as a kid, it was weird. Um, I'm really enjoying them now, if for nothing else than one, I am learning some stuff, and now you know, as a as an older person, I quite enjoy learning things. Sometimes. Um, <laughs> but they're so dated as well yeah. that they they are fascinating. Well, I mean, these, these reenactments are low budget at best and would have been at the time, yeah. but they're now also so dated. They, they're, they're fascinating. They, they are laughable, but I don't laugh at them. I find them more curios, I guess. Yeah, yeah that makes sense. Um, yeah, the, the show itself was quite interesting. Some of the things it portrayed were really interesting in terms of the Incan history. Um, it was always a very strange mix. Um, they've got the South American history and the archaeology side of it, so that Indiana Jones type element mm-hmm. to it, the sort mm-hmm. of adventure um, element to it. But then the science fiction part of it, you know, the the fact that they have these you know, technological wonders. And if you look at the, the, the Tomb Raider games and the Uncharted games where they have these old temples and they've all got cog machinery and things that are built into them and yeah. that they couldn't possibly have had at the time and all this sort of stuff. It's that sort of thing that you think, oh, fucking hell, well, that's, that's clever the way they built that in. And at the time, I wouldn't have known. That's just how things worked. Yeah. If, if you conveniently need a cog in the wall, there's one there. Um, looking at it now, you think, okay, well, the way they've done that, but when they've done that for this reason, and you can, sort of, you can kind of follow it back. Um, but then, let's say, you get to um, some of the... Uh, some of the other things you've got, the, the fusion reactors and the, the condor, there's some this uh, cryogenic hibernation um, of the, the Olmex. Now there's there are things you think, hang on a minute, they have no fucking place here. It, any way you spin them, they do not belong in this show. No. And then on the back of learning about cryogenics, yeah. you get a history lesson about Incan culture. Yeah. What a car crash. Yeah. So, I mean, that sort of thing, that's... One of the areas, if, you, if we were making it today, you'd look and say, okay, well, A, we don't really need the, the, the lecture at the end, and B, it kind of needs to be more congruous. We don't want things that are so fucking abstract and not related at all. Yeah, I think, again, though, that comes down to somewhere along the line, it, regardless of what their intentions were, and as I say, I, I think this is a very well-made, very well-written show, somewhere along the line, because it was a cartoon in the 80s, they have to grab children's attention, because, let's be honest... This motherfucker's selling no toys. That's like, true. A, maybe a condo toy, but I don't remember one. No, I don't so remember. So they they needed to keep hold of kids' attention because yeah. it wasn't like you'd be tuning in every week so that you could see what's going on and then go away and recreate it like you would with He-Man or Transformers yeah. or Turtles. I mean, not only that. I mean, you look at um, the period it was it was in as well. I mean, nuclear power at the start of the eighties. It was you know, the thing that everyone was talking about. And solar power system, newly emerging technology. So having things like that, cryogenics were being talked about as not, not something for the future. So having these things that kids would have been exposed to expressions and phrases, they would have heard things on the news, they'd have heard people talking about them in, in the context of newspapers mm-hmm. and things like that. Bringing things like that in, yeah, okay, that's going to make that's going to ground it a bit more for people watching it. 
and then they can have, they can still have the adventure story and things as well, but it's a bit more grounded in their world as far as you possibly yeah. can. So I mean, that's possibly a reason for that, but it just seems so disparate and so out of place a lot of it. Yeah. Yeah, it's odd. And I'm saying that as a as an adult rewatching it now, rather than as a child watching it at the time, mm-hmm. because when this, I mean, we didn't have the children's channel; it was a, a satellite channel, so we didn't have it. So we've only had um, it when it was on BBC. So I'd have been at best eight yeah. when this was on TV, possibly younger than that. So I mean, I, I'm not thinking about. No, I'm not thinking. Hang on, you can't have golden birds that fly. Your brain doesn't work that way at eight. Exactly. Your brain just goes, "Wow, it's a golden bird." Yeah, exactly. Because at that age, anything can be anything. Yeah, yeah. It can be made out of anything and can do anything. Yeah. Now, at this point, you kind of know that you can't run off a cliff and then turn around and run back, but cartoons can. Mm. And, and you know that there's no such thing as actual cars that transform into big people. But you allow yourself you to believe yeah, that. Yeah. Whereas as an adult, you're thinking, okay, well, I know that's not real, but I can still enjoy it for what it is. Yeah. So it's, it's a bizarre one. Um, I think it just feels more bizarre because in the early parts of the show, as I say, there is there's so much care and attention given to establishing this world and these characters and how historically accurate it feels, not necessarily that it is, but yeah. how it feels, and then all of a sudden we get to the Cities of Gold and there is this nuclear fusion and this yeah. all sorts of weird shit. That wouldn't happen. Now, you know, conversely, you look at something like an Uncharted or a Tomb Raider or an Indiana Jones, and from the word go, you know that there is supernatural elements. Yes. So you're okay with it. Yeah. Um, or maybe not in the first Uncharted, because it's not until you get to that submarine that you realise yeah. what's kind of going on. But it still doesn't feel odd, because we've yeah. already had Tomb Raider and Indiana Jones by that point. Yeah, that's right. So this was made in eighty. Two. Yeah, so it is post Raiders of the Lost Ark then, because Raiders was eighty one, wasn't it? Yeah, so it would have been development right about the same time. That that's weird, isn't it? Like there's some kind of zeitgeist thing going on there then where Yeah, but I mean Because it, they wouldn't have known when they were animating this, they wouldn't have known how big Raiders no, was I mean, gonna become. Even if you go back to the some of the earlier films like your Sinbads and your um, Jason the oh, Arts. True, stuff, yeah. You, you always had those sort of quest yeah, movies yeah. and stuff like that. You always had that. And even going back further than that, sort of the sort of the quest movies and sort of the fifties and stuff, and you you always had that sort of that, and you could always have a a sort of effective suspension disbelief that you no, know, we can build this, mm-hmm. we can build these things that are common in our society into earlier versions. And if you look at the Jetsons, you know the way they appropriated things from the time and turned them into futuristic versions yeah. of themselves. It's kind of the same there. You kind of say, well, we can have a historical version of that, so we'll have a clock. But it's not really a clock, it's a pendulum, it does something else. Mm-hmm. But the principle's the same. So they they kind of appropriate that and you can see where that's gone. And the I think the time I think timing was the Indiana, Indiana Jones thing is interesting because say for it to be released in summer like uh, summer eighty two, they'd have been in production well before um uh, Raiders came out. Yeah. Even if no, even if it wasn't re- released then. So I mean, as I said, they wouldn't have really known but there was still a tradition to hark back to. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, timing-wise, and a lot of these things, when we talk about when we talk about Batman, timing of other projects is absolutely essential. Yeah. Because if you're releasing something and it, uh, it's something similar as already bombed, you're not going to get your release. I mean, I can't remember what we were talking about, but um, when Speed Racer bombed, they cancelled the film with something else. Yeah. They, I can't remember which, um, which show it was now. But yeah, no, it's, it's, if that had succeeded, it would have worked. When we talk about Batman, if Burton's Batman had been a complete failure, yeah, you wouldn't get the you animated, animated series. series. No. Even though they were separate in it, you know, so they were separate entities. You you can't you need one to have the other. Yeah. yeah. So it's an interesting one. 
Um, the plot itself was fucking bonkers, and I think it's again, it's a very eighties plot, a very Cold War plot. It basically centers around superpowers trying to get hold of, effectively, the, you know, the the god part of the particle that's not the thing that's going to control the Earth. And this is called the Great Legacy, which is basically nuclear power. Right. Um, so you've got the the seven cities were were built as a, a hideaway by the emperor. In a, in the English version, it was Heva. Um, in the Japanese version, it was Mu. Um, Mu. Mu. Emperor, like, the emperor like of Mu. No, Mu. Um, but the um, that, that doesn't make much more sense if it's pronounced Mu, does it? Emperor no. Mu. Yeah, so um, the empires of Mu and Atlantis, they used the weapons of the sun, and the seven cities of gold um, held universal libraries which were going to be used to rebuild mankind. I'm sorry, I'm stuck on Emperor Mu. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's no Palpatine, is it? But, um, yeah, so then you had um, these various, these, these seven cities, they were, they were all basically um, part, of a, part of a whole. And then when they when they were all connected again, you had the the great legacy, which was basically a big art reactor. Um, and towards the end, I think it was called the Olmecs. Um, the Olmecs succeed at great cost in taking control of the great legacy. It begins to melt down without the moderation provided by um, by there was a jar which the medallions opened, and so again everything that's in there is in there for a reason. It's all all plays a part. It's yeah. a, it's Chekhov's gun. Um, but the resulting earthquakes and volcanoes destroy the cities of gold. A world threatening meltdown is avoided by the personal sacrifice of Esteban's father, who. Adding as the high priest of the city is presumed to be dead after replacing the jar. At the end of the series, Mendoza, Sancho, and Pedro, having salvaged some of the gold for the city's destruction, return to Spain, while Esteban and his friends set out to find the other cities. So, it basically it's it's World War Three. It's it's what everyone was expecting at the time. Wouldn't be World War Three. No, it would be World War One. Well, yeah, but um, but it's what everyone was expecting. Everyone was expecting a big yeah, nuclear yeah. war, uh, and that's kind of what they played on. That's not. Interestingly, as I say, it was Japan who were not involved in the Cold War at all. Mm. Um, but you know, it's it, it played on some very real social aspects as well, which timing-wise kind of fits. Yeah. So it, it's interesting in that respect as well. And so the, it just it still baffles me that it was a Japanese and French production of something that fuck all to do with them. Yeah, it it is a weird, weird combination of elements. Yeah. But then again, I suppose if you look at some film funding and stuff, say the way it's divvied up, certainly in the UK, where yeah, you look yeah. at some funding agencies, Co fundings and, and yeah. you know, I mean, we living in Wales can quite easily apply to Film Scotland mm. for funding and just go and shoot it up there and set it in you know, Chernobyl. Yeah. It doesn't make a blind bit of difference, it's just that's where the money comes from. Yeah. But it just seems a very odd one. Um, Except we call it Chernobylio. <laughs> quite possibly. Um, but yeah, so um, talked about the broadcast, we talked about the um, production. Um, released on DVD and VHS um, throughout Europe and North America. Um, September 20, uh, 2007, Fabulous Films announced it acquired the license release on Region 2, Region 1 and Region 4. All 39 episodes were released in the United Kingdom in 2008 on a six-disc DVD set, uh, with the picture and the sound were, were digitally restored. Um, sequels, and I wasn't aware of this until this morning when I was reading about this. There's about three yeah. shows in there. Three new seasons of 26 episodes each are in production, yeah. picking up storyline where the 82 series left off. Unlike the original series, the sequel was produced entirely in France as a co-joint production between French television channel TF1, Belgian channel Le Trois, and French animation company Blue Spirit, with um, Channel Bin's production company Movie Plus. Um, first, the new season sees, sees them move to China. The designs of characters more or less the same, while there's some subtle change to be made to physical appearance. Um, yeah, so the, um, there's a 2016 series as well. I didn't realise there was one that recently. Yeah. Um, yeah, 2016, the third series season of the show started production, so it may not be finished. It's interesting, isn't it? In that we've already drawn a comparison to Dog Canyon, 
And the same thing happened there. You had a very well planned out narrative mm. that ran the course of its season and ended. Yeah. And so then you can't just make more episodes. What you need to do is sequelize, and but, that's what they've done here as well. But they could. I mean, they, they could have run on because you had um, Esteban and Zia going off in search of the other cities. Mm. So you could have just run on through, through those. Had a couple of years break, made them a bit older, maybe you know, maybe given their own ship or their own, their own not given the condo or whatever. But they could have gone off and had another series of finding another city or having... And introducing an entirely new story arc of new of new cultures or whatever yeah. in China or in Europe or wherever, you could have done that. But I think they got to that point. So after thirty nine episodes, at the end of the first run, they went, "Right, we've left it open. So if anyone in the future, if, if in future we want to do it, we can tell the story or we can spin it off into a book or a film or whatever else." But we haven't ended it, so nobody's mm-hmm. got to come back. No, actually, yeah, we're going to need to change that end bit and start again or need to retcon something. It's there to do. But the fact that it took them so fucking long to do it, yeah, it's one of those. It just makes the cashing in again. Maybe. Um, I mean, we'll have to see when this this two thousand and sixteen one drops. I mean, it's I mean, I don't, I don't know whether it's going to be. Uh, it's, it's calling it a third season, so I mean, I'd imagine it's carrying on from the. Yeah, I mean, you, you'd hope it maintains quality and ups production value. In which case, I'm all for it. Mm. Um, I know these. There was a couple of games yes. a few years ago as well. I've not played them, but I, know, I mean, the production value on those things seemed much higher than the original show. Yeah. So, so there are two games were produced by Anis Interactive. The first, uh, Mysterious Cities of Gold, Flight of the Condor, was released in 2013 for iOS on Apple devices. Second was titled Mysterious Cities of Gold, Secret Paths, and was made in 2013 for PC after a successful Kickstarter campaign and released in 2014 for iOS, Wii U, and 3DS. That's the one I can remember then. I've seen it on the Wii U shop. Yeah. So, I mean, it's it's still carrying on. I think the fact that you had these sequels, these sequel series has, has helped that because I don't think as big a thing as nostalgia is at the moment and so, you know, certainly with our generation trying to resurrect things from from our childhoods, if you would say to me in 2014, right, remember that show, Mysterious Cities of Gold? Yeah. We want to make a computer game out of it. Yeah. Why? Yeah. I'm not saying, yes, okay, take my money. I'm saying... Why? Again, it's the toy thing, though, isn't it? There are no cities of gold toys, no. so the merchandising isn't instantly there. If you're a, a game publisher and I come to you and say, I want to make a new Turtles game, yeah. you don't even ask a question. You don't care if the game's any fucking good, because no. you know you put a name people are going to buy it. Yeah. That, that's not necessarily there with cities of gold. The people that do remember it, and as I say, as I've said a few times now, I know it's very fondly remembered. Hmm. It's kind of remembered for the quality of the show rather than for the cultural phenomenon it was. Yeah. It's that that was a really good show that I really enjoyed. Yeah, and I think that's possibly a rarity for us. I mean, I think the yeah. stuff we've talked about so far, it's been culturally phenomenal. It's been, you know, there have been yeah. far-reaching consequences of these shows and and, and, and even now, so 20, 30 years later or something, they are still being felt. Whereas this, it's, it's a good show and it's not the show I remember it. Because yeah. I don't know what the fuck I'm thinking about. But, it's, but it wasn't this. But it wasn't. The story kind of is, but it's a lot more involved than I remember. And I think that's probably because of the age it was when I saw it. But the aesthetic is wrong. I, I can, I'm picturing something completely different. The, the Condor looks completely different in my head. Yeah. I don't know whether I'm thinking of the plane in Tailspin or something like that. But, it wasn't you know, a bird? No, no. It was a gold-coloured plane. But I, I, in my head, being that young at the time, I don't know whether I've replaced one image with another, with another yeah. or if I'm thinking of a particular character from, I don't know, Defenders of the Earth or something like that, if I've just got something in my head and that has somehow crept into another show. Are you thinking of, like, Power Rangers or Voltron? Or Could possibly be, though. It's just something in my head has replaced the condo with something else. 
so when until very recently researching this I thought of the condor I had this particular image of a gold coloured plane and that's all that stuck not an actual bird not an actual bird and looking at it the first time I went what the fucking hell's that oh shit that's the condor mm. and it looks like a fucking big gold transformer is what it looks like yes and now having gone back and rewatched a couple of episodes and so it's back where we are I'm thinking right okay now I know where I am again yeah and whatever this thing in my head was that isn't cities of gold I now can't fucking remember what that is maybe we'll discover it over the course of hopefully of this show. it's bugging the shit out of me yeah um but yeah, so I mean, it, it's interesting. Going back to it now, it's really interesting to see that there are bits I remember now having, or bits I'm thinking, now I've re-seen it, do I remember it from the original time, or am I remembering it because I've just re-watched it and it's some, yeah. it's, it hasn't so much jogged my memory, it's sort of lodged itself back in. I don't know. Um, and from that respect, I think it's, it's been worth a rewatch just to show me how fucking far off I was. Yeah. I um, mean, for me, it's been worth a rewatch just because I wasn't excited about doing the show. There are some shows we do I get really excited yeah. about talking about these shows and about rewatching these shows because they've been a huge part of my life. This wasn't one of those shows. Yeah. Um, however, I've thoroughly enjoyed what I've seen of it so far. Yeah. I mean, I'd, I'd say the same. I mean, I, I remember, well, not quite remember, this show um, as being something I really enjoyed as a child. And there are a lot of things that I would have seen at this sort of time that my brother was into. Being that much older, he'd have been into stuff that I wasn't, but it was on, so mm. I remember it being on. This is one I, no, I remembered, no, I remember details about, if not aesthetics. Yeah. I remember details about the show that I wanted to, to go back to. So I remember thinking when we were talking about what shows we were going to talk about, this is one of the ones I wanted to put on the list. And now having gone back and rewatched it, I'm thinking, okay, not quite what I remember, but fucking hell, it's better than I remember. It's definitely better than I remember. Um, and I, I think maybe part of the reason that we don't remember it quite as well as some of the other ones and again it comes down to the quality of the writing here like everything else we've talked about when you say it for instance when you say He-Man you can instantly go by the power of Grayskull yeah. when you say uh, Transformers you can go to Waterbots roll out there's none of that here no. because it's too well written we don't they're yeah. not relying on a simple marketing hook they're relying on a good story yeah. well told which is admirable but foolish from a commercial point of view. Yeah, and kind of fucks up the end of our show as well. Oh, I've got nothing to, to go out on on this show. I'll just tell you that now. I've got no catch. There isn't one. No, that's right. So, I mean, if you're expecting something, unfortunately, you're going to be disappointed. Although, if if there is one and I've missed it, then yeah, by all that. means, fire me a tweet um, at DDF Chris. But not, I, I can't find one. No, that's right. Um, but yes, I mean... Talking about the show, I mean, it's it's certainly been worth a look back, and I think that now, as as Chris said, having now gone back and started rewatching it, I'm appreciating the story a lot more than I would have thirty years ago, cause, just because of the age I am now. Um, but it's definitely something I'm going to finish because a I can't remember most of it, and having read the blurb and talked and what how we talk about how it ends and how the story progresses, I want to know how they play that out. But yeah, it's, I mean, for me, it's been really good to sit back and re and rewatch and go. Actually, yeah, this is a really well told story, and I think that there are very few things, and we've talked about sort of the nature of nostalgia and how we sort of how we sort of set things up in our minds. The fact that we sort of we go back to things that we think were amazing at the time, and actually they're a bit shit. Mm -hmm. um, this is one. It's not at all what I remember, but it's a lot better. And so I think that if you've not seen it, it's definitely worth going out and finding it. And if you, if you have seen it, and you can't remember bits about it go back and rewatch it, you'll be really pleasantly surprised. Yeah, I, I totally agree. It's 
it's actually nice to to watch something and be pleasantly surprised like that because the general theme of the show either tends to be I know this show is very good and I'm still going to enjoy it, a la Batman and, and Animaniacs, or this hasn't held up quite as well as I remember it, a la Rugrats. It, yeah. it doesn't. It's very rare that I'm surprised in yeah. a good way. When when a surprise comes, it's generally negative. It's yes. generally actually this show's not quite as good as I remember. Um, so to get one that that is, and I think the last one I can remember was probably Dog Canyon. But even then, I remember enjoying it to begin with. Yeah, I'm just surprised that I still enjoyed it now. This I'm surprised I've enjoyed it at all, and I am thoroughly looking forward to watching the rest of the season. Yeah, um, I'm certainly am going to do that, and yeah, I can from based on what I've rewatched so far, I can recommend that anyone else does as well. Yeah. So yeah, so that's uh, mysterious cities of girls. And say by all means, um, it is available um, on streaming. Um, I can't remember where I found it, but it is available online. Um, it's available on DVD. Um, it's probably still available on VHS if you can find one. Um, but yeah, if you've enjoyed the show, um, let us know. Go to our website at uh, ddpodcast.net. You can get in touch with us through there. On Twitter, we're SMPDPod. Uh, on Facebook, with the Double Down Podcast Network. But drop us a line, have a chat. We're always up for that. We're always around. Um, if you go to our website, there's some great shows on there as well. So uh, have a dig around. And until next time. Uh, insert catchphrase here if you can think of one. See you later. Search for the cities of love.